Hey, beautiful mama, and welcome to Bell and Beyond. I'm your podcast host, Katie, a mama of one little legend, Hunter, and we have been on the most wild health journey ever. My son was born and diagnosed with a cleft lip, and I want to share with you how I was empowered through it all. This podcast is for mums or soon-to-be mums and dads. Feel free to jump in too. It's a place to debunk the many motherhood myths that leave us feeling confused, lost, and misguided. I want you, Mama, to walk away from every episode feeling empowered and educated to make choices that feel right for you and your family. My heart is to see mamas connecting back to their roots and being exposed to ancient wisdom with modern day education. I'll be bringing you open and real conversations around topics we are not talking about enough with people passionate about seeing you, Mama, thrive from the belly and beyond. Welcome back to another episode of Bell and Beyond. I am so excited to have Alex join us from Kids Flourish. Alex is a parent coach. She's a behavior teacher. She runs behavior programs created for both parents and schools. She's a mama. You know, she's very passionate about teaching parents how to manage their emotional outbursts and behaviors in a way that sits right for you, mom and dad. There's so many different parenting approaches these days from attachment to gentle, from conscious to kind. It can all be a bit overwhelming and there's a lot of information out there for us to access. So going on the journey with Alex can either be through one-on-one coaching or through her courses and she can help you get back to that feeling of confidence and control and, and happy energy in your household. So I'm really excited for you to hear from her. She's worked in behavior management for 10 years and she's created the ultimate signature formula for confidently handling and preventing unwanted behaviors whilst improving your child's well-being and self-esteem at the same time. Now, we totally touch on so many crucial things that are happening right now. You're going to know a little bit more about how to handle your child's outbursts. If you're like me, I'm trying to learn how to handle hitting and throwing at the moment. So that's been my thing that you'll hear Alex coach me through and the suggestions and solutions she provides are so amazing. I'm already so excited about parenting and I've literally not even had a proper coaching call with her yet. And you're also going to hear about what it's been like for people. We've got New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland all in a lockdown right now. We've got parents navigating how they work from home, how they're homeschooling, how kids are going to daycare, their routines, how parents are navigating their schedules. You know, we've lost a lot of contact with people. So I just want to send a lot of love and I really hope this podcast episode empowers you at a time when I really feel like as parents, we need it most. We really need some support on behavior management and just creating more joy and fun and excitement in our morning or eating routines or putting on clothes or all these different situations that can trigger behaviors that then can frustrate us and frustrate our child and just make our day even more hectic. We also touch on amazing things like how we show up in our mood, mums, really affects the day and the kids. And often when we show up and don't fill up our cup and we're really empty, our kids literally mimic that and the whole day can go downhill from literally how we wake up. So you're going to love this. This is the final episode of season one. So thank you so much for being here. I am so grateful. I'm so honored for all your feedback. So many lives have been changed. If you haven't yet listened to all the episodes, please go and listen. I'm sure there'll be a time in your life or someone in your life that this information and education, inspiring conversations will benefit you or someone else. So I'm really excited. If you haven't yet left a review, please go and do that. I really love to hear your favorite episodes and why. Just two seconds to write it. DM me any of your testimonies. I love to share it on my Instagram anonymously. And um, I'm really excited for what's coming in season two. I've had all the downloads, all the feels, and it's going to be really, really fun, really joyful. 
It's going to be exactly what we need as parents right now going into the unknown of the rest of 2021. And if there's one thing we can do every single day, we can bring the joy. So get ready for season two. Let's get into the episode with Alex. Welcome, Alex. We're so excited for you to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and a top mama tip. Thanks for having me. Um, so I'm, as you said, I'm a parent coach uh, and um, a teacher. And my top mama tip must be I, parenting is a relationship. And I think that it's constantly, you're constantly evolving this relationship with your child. Uh, and it needs to be seen that way rather than, um, you know, you're the boss of your child, I suppose. <laughs> It's a two-way street. That's right. Yes, I love that. And I, with my one-year-old or 15-month-old, I feel like going on literally two already, I'm really excited to learn how to do this more because I already feel like I'm stepping into such unknown territory. So I would really love, like, why did you become a parent coach? Like, how did this all start for you? So I was a behaviour teacher before I went on maternity leave with my first son, who's now three. and. I coached both parents and teachers in the realm of behavior management uh, in the classroom. And then when I worked with the parents of these children, it would be around, you know, how to support them at home. And it all boiled down to well-being. And when I went on maternity leave, I started up a Kids Flourish Instagram account and it just really took off from there. And I started getting uh, interest for one-on-one coaching And that's sort of how it all came about. And then I, having a toddler, I went, you know, right into all the toddler behavior stuff. And yeah, so to support parents really before their kids start school and some of these behavior problems are, you know, exacerbated a little bit. Yeah, I love all of that. I love that you now do one-on-one coaching because I think how supportive and empowering for parents that are literally like, I'm at my end, I don't know what to do. It's a really insecure feeling to not know how to handle your children's behaviour, especially if it could be public or around friends and family and they're doing things and you're like, why are you doing that? Like, where do you go? Like, who do you ask that stuff to? Because I don't feel like I would go to my GP about that. <laughs> No, and you want it to be aligned with you. I think that's half the problem. We've got, we're in the realm of having a bit too much information now. We need to really kind of come back to ourselves and our intuition because really we naturally know how to be a mother and what's good for our kids, but then there's all that other stuff that comes into play and sometimes can be really mind boggling for us. So to have someone that works with you rather than just telling you what to do, I think really helps hmm, yeah it's so beautiful it's like just a soundboard as well with what's going on so when does the toddlerhood actually start <laughs> well you um think classification wise a toddler is after they turn one it's you've reached toddlerhood and then to the age of about four so preschool age <laughs> so you're in it <laughs> I'm in it. And you know what? I feel like people don't talk about that enough because in my mind, I've always thought toddlerhood started at two. I never would have considered toddlerhood started at one. And to be honest, you just get through your first year of parenting and you're like, they're one. Great. Now we're going to do fun things. And then all of a sudden I got slapped in the face literally by my son. And I was like, wow, new behaviors kicked in. Okay. It's kind of starting to feel like toddler, like toddler behavior. But I was like, but you're only one, you're only 13 months. So, okay. It does begin at one year old. So for me personally, because I like actually really want to know this, 
how can we as parents really like ascertain and kind of sift through this whole good behavior, bad behavior thing and like this gentle parenting and like disciplined parenting because I honestly have no idea and the whole thing freaks me out. There is so many labels on it and, you know, when I delved into this, you know, whole realm, I decided to label myself as respectful parenting but really I take things, it's all evidence-based, you know, trauma-informed, it's and they and all these wonderful parenting you know labels they they are all a lot of them are based on science and the brain and the child's developing brain which is lovely however we take things from the the science or the you know the development the psychology of it all and i guess we all put our own little spin on it with our with our own experience and with our own background i fully believe that all behavior is communication and so mm-hmm. really we need to kind of look underneath what is you know what's going on for the child often we see that a behavior might be from being dysregulated it might be from a sensory need it might just be because they're a toddler and that's what toddlers do uh so having a look at what the underlying need there um you know it's it's, that's often what i help parents with as well so we can meet that need and then the behavior we can also address the behavior on top of that yeah, I definitely agree with all of that. And I feel like as far as we're aware, we don't particularly, I mean, I'm not a medical person, but I can't see any signs of being on the spectrum. I can't see or I'm not aware yet of anything like that. My gut feeling with some of his behavioural stuff is um, it's to get my attention. And that could be either that because James and I work from home, we spend a lot of time on our computer and our laptops, we're always trying to rotate Often we're in situations where we can't go away and shut the door so he sees us doing that. And that's when I noticed that he started to do things like throwing or slapping to get my attention. And does that sound like something that would be common? Connection. They really want us all the time. And that's a human need. So this is that that's their attachment need. That's what drives them. That's what drives a baby to cry when they wake up. That's what drives a baby to be want to be on you, you know, when they only sleep when they're on you. That's the biggest driver and that's what attachment is based on or attachment theory. And it basically is that, you know, forming that secure bond with you. And it's really that is the most human need. And it is one of our, you know, um, there's been research done on this. If babies aren't held and touched, they don't, they don't live anymore. They need mm. that. And that is they are going to do anything they can to get that attention from you. And, yes, it's not always going to be positive. But just on the on the sensory topic as well, all babies and toddlers are innately sensory. They okay. really need to touch and feel. And for example, with the throwing, there's things that, that is taking them through a play schema, which is how things travel through the air. He's exploring there, but he's also got the need for you. So there's often, it's never just sort of one issue. Because, you know, throwing is a normal toddler behaviour and that's because they're learning lots. And, yes, they also want your attention. (laughs) So how do I handle – I'm going to make this about me for a minute. How do I handle the fact that my literally going on 15-month-old slaps me in the face or gets things and hits me in the face. He he hasn't figured out, I think, that it actually hurts, even though we're trying to say, oh, that hurts when you hit mine me. Oh, I'm trying to say things like, you know, we use our hands for playing and eating and other positive things rather than hitting mum in the face. But he'll literally look at me and smile and hit me again. And I'm like, 
like yeah. squinting with one eye. I'm like, James. And then James like, don't hit mummy. Out. That's out to you when you hit mummy. And I'm literally like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> sometimes I just have to walk away because he's actually hit me so hard sometimes with certain objects. Like one day I actually couldn't like use one of my eyes and I had to cancel so many things because he literally almost damaged my eyeball. Or the other day he picked up a peanut butter big like massive tub that somehow he got out of the container and James put on the couch he picked it up and threw it on my head and I was laying underneath him watching TV and it literally hit me down the side of the jaw and I actually got up and cried and I know he didn't mean to but I was like okay I need some help with this how do I stop the throwing and hitting mummy thing (laughs) yeah so behaviors tend to be very you know cyclical and children explore them over and over again. So with the the hitting and the throwing, that is something that your little one is going to possibly keep exploring. You might get on top of it or it might be a phase, it might go away for a period and then it might come back. So looking at this holistically, he's got the need to throw, the need to learn how to throw. He wants to touch you. But there also needs to be boundaries put in place for you to know that this is a behavior that he's exploring right now. So grabbing, like holding his hands when he's near you. So when you're holding him, just be ready. Be ready to block his hands from slapping him in the face. Hold his hands firmly. Again, uh, with sensory, he's probably looking for a bit of sensory feedback. So you could say, gentle with mummy's face, let's do high fives. So he's getting the sensory feedback of getting that the feeling of getting whatever he needs to out of his system because often our little kids are big balls of energy and they just need to release it. So he's getting what he needs out of the the slapping and the hitting. Also, you're not it's not happening in your face, which is going to feel nicer. And then it's about redirecting the behavior. So if he's throwing inside, it's okay, let's go find a ball and throw it outside. So I see you want to throw. Let's throw this, not this. So you're setting the boundary, you're taking the you know, peanut butter off him or whatever he's decided to throw, <laughs> that, that comes away. You give him something more appropriate. So it's there is still a boundary there. He can't throw the peanut butter or the whatever it is that he's decided to pick up and throw, but you give but you're replacing it with something else. So the boundary is there, but you're you're seeing the need underneath the behavior. Of course you mentioned attention, which if you can take him outside and throw with him or to even touch here, it'd be really powerful, like teach him how to throw by touching his hands. You're actually giving him all those needs at once and you're, you're showing him that you really understand what he needs and you're, you know, supporting him in that way. I can totally relate to that because he's actually got, that sounding like an overly proud parent, he's actually got an incredible, like James and I literally joke, like, is he going to do baseball? Is he going to do AFL? Because he's so sporty. And like ever since he was literally like six months old, like the length that he can get, like he would practice throwing things over our stairs and then watch them go beep, 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 beep all the way to the bottom. And he thought that was the best game ever. So he's actually got an incredibly amazing throw, but you're right. Shift it to a new location, swap the object out for something more positive like balls or whatever. Um, like he likes to throw rocks when we're at the park and we're like, please don't do that with the kids and hit the kid in the head. Like those things and try to like navigate that. But one of the other things I noticed the other day is he's obsessed with wanting to feed me. So like he wants to feed me and like, it's this kind of fun thing. I guess he's probably like, if you can feed me, I can feed you. And 
I, he was eating something and I just really didn't feel like it. And I was like, oh, I've had enough of eating this thing that you're trying to feed me. I was like, no, no, I don't want anymore. Mommy doesn't want you eat it. And he literally picked it up and threw it and then looked at me. Like as if, well, if you're not going to let me feed you, I'm going to throw it across the floor. And I was like, is that like the same thing that he's wanting to interact with me, wanting to touch me, wanting to have this fun, beautiful kind of game together. And then I've stopped it and he's got frustrated and he's like thrown it away. So it sounds like he was getting a bit frustrated then. So that yes. was probably his, yeah, trying to let you know that he was frustrated, which of course is seeing that emotion underneath that behaviour. It sounds like, and yes, this is becoming a little bit of a coaching session, session but throwing is going to be his go-to behaviour. So right. <laughs> it's going to happen when he's a little bit dysregulated, it's, it could be frustration. It could be when someone, you know, any stress through the day, he might release that with throwing. So I would probably then, I know you just set the limit. I know you're frustrated. We throw balls, not the bowl. And then meet, meet, support him with his frustration a little bit. It, really, it upset mummy. It upset you when mummy didn't um, let you feed him. And then he, he feels heard. Uh, he's seen. And you'll just support him to calm down, much like a tantrum, I suppose. Got it. That's what I feel like. We're literally entering into early tantrum and my mum's like, sucked in because you like put me through hell. <laughs> I'm like, no, don't say that. He'll be much better than really he <laughs> He's growing up in a more nurturing family because my parents like, yeah, were quite dysfunctional. But, yes, I hear what you're saying. Well, I'll definitely organise with my husband to get on a personal one-on-one coaching call with you so we can navigate this but thank you. I think that'll help lots of people out there anyway, just hearing the way that you're applying and the way you're navigating it and the words you're using and the, the practical ways that we can shift the focus because I'm starting to feel frustrated. He's feeling frustrated. But yes, thank you for that. That was awesome. just want to send so much love to parents out there. What you're going through if you're in some of the major states that are in lockdown at the moment, you know, I'm just sending love. Some of the top tips that I've been doing for my morning, which Alex and I mentioned in the podcast, is just starting the day with joy, having a dance party with your kids, putting on some fun music, even just for one song, a song that they love. My son at the moment literally is obsessed with We Are Australian. He literally loves that song because I think he's heard it on Play School. (laughs) So we play that and he's so happy and so alive. He listens to any dance music at the moment. I'm just being really diligent and studious with my morning routine. So I use essential oils to lift my emotions and support my body. I take a superfood supplement drink with Nixia Red. I take some supplements, some greens powder, some black seed oil, really all in one glass. I just throw it back, nothing too complicated. I try to do a walk or a stretch or a workout and I've been doing journal work. So I've been doing this incredible journal work with one of the journals, the Gratitude Journal by Steph Face. I'm on Instagram and then I just write in another journal, some money mindset, some goals and appreciation of all the things I've achieved, even if just putting the washing on, even if it's just making a nourishing dinner, even if it was drinking two liters of water the day before, just acknowledging ourselves and loving on ourselves as moms. It's going to totally shift the energy and the frequency in which we live. And as much as like a dad could be stay at home or a mom could be stay at home, we both could be at work or whatever. 
whatever your household looks like, there's no wrong or right. At the end of the day, somehow when mum's not feeling good or mum's in a bit of a down mood or mum's feeling anxious and stressed, it really does seem to affect the whole household. So I feel like I'm really taking responsibility in this season to bring joy and fill myself up with joy and be responsible for my joy tank because joy is actually a consequence. It's a consequence of an action. So if you do positive things that fill you up and just choose to have a different perspective, the consequences you will be filled with joy. And as a result, everybody around you feels that joy and you get to shift the mood and the energy. So if any of that has just inspired you or you want to talk more about it you want to know how to incorporate some of those elements that I'm doing in my morning routine in your morning routine just reach out to me on Instagram at bell and beyond underscore and I'd love to just share with you a little bit more about my August protocol it's literally been changing my life and my parenting and my wifeness and it's also been really affecting my other business my self-employed business that I have and my team of girls that I'm raising because I just want everyone to feel really joyful right now let's get back into the rest of the episode with Alex Can you share a little bit more about like kids having the power of like choice? So like something I really love doing and I can't wait to do this more when Hunter's growing up and I've already kind of started to do it is like having a few different options and they get to pick. So like when I would cook dinner for the family that I nannied for, I'd like pull out five vegetables and I'd be like, pick your two favorite tonight. And then they would get up there and help me like chop it or put it on their plate or whatever they wanted that was their special thing. And it totally changed the way I saw. And I was, I'm a chef, so I got really excited about that because I really wanted them to eat what I cooked. Changed the whole way we did dinner and prep. I never had any issues with them eating my food. I like had them eating like a piece of salmon every night and they were like three to four years old and we had such a good time. So tell us a little bit more about that. That's a, is that like a good parenting technique <laughs> to allow more choice? Oh, anytime you can give your kids some control, it will just absolutely light up their lives you know they're being controlled every day they really don't get a say in much especially the big stuff so if we can give them that little taste of what it's like to be in power or in control of something or choices that they make during the day it's really going to help them listen to you and follow those instructions that you've given so things like when you're going to the bath it's bath time that's what's happening but do you want to hop like a kangaroo or do you want to run and roar like a tiger giving little choices like that with each little activity that you just blend in with your day can really help your kids not feel so controlled I mean nobody likes to be micromanaged and that's sometimes often what we're doing with our kids. So if we can just have those little elements of choice, that really helps them, you know, feel like they have a say in their day. Have you seen the movie yesterday? No, I haven't actually. (laughs) It's hilarious. Oh my gosh. You'd actually love it just from like your job perspective, but also as parent, it's literally where this couple feels like they were so fun and did all these fun things. And then they like became no because they had kids no this no that no 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 like felt like they were just saying no all day and they literally decided with their three kids I think it is to have a yes day there was boundaries it couldn't be like illegal you know it couldn't be hurting anybody or obstructive physically or emotionally it had to be within those parameters they had like three rules but for the whole day they had to say yes and if they stuffed up or whatever and said no and didn't keep to their word there was like a consequence for the parents 
whatever it was, like the kids didn't have to do housework for a month or chores or whatever, and they, like, dressed them up, painted their face with whatever they wanted, walked down the street with dress-ups, like you'll have to watch it. But the whole concept behind it was these kids literally felt like they had a whole day where the parents got to say yes. And I was like, what do you think about that? Like, do you reckon that's just a little too out there or do you reckon that actually could be really fun? Well, I haven't seen it, but it does sound like a lot of fun. It does sound exhausting for the parents, though, I can imagine. It's just, I think it's just one day, like maybe it's twice a year or I don't know, maybe it's once yeah. a year or no, whatever it, it is. Awesome. But, but yeah, they they went on this wild, they had to eat ice cream for like an hour or something, like really unhealthy things and like, but they were so happy. And in the end, the whole family came together and they were closer and more happy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's that whole concept that all we do all day is like, no, no, no. So what's your thoughts on even the word no? I know there's some um, parents that will be like, well, no is necessary. They need to know no is no. Some kids respond really well, well to the word no. I don't feel like my son responds super well to the word no when I say it. Like I see some other kids that are like a bit more studious. So what's your thoughts on that? We always want, so Janet Lansbury talks about having a yes space, uh, a play area where they can explore how they want to explore and there's not really many boundaries there because the thing is we have to set boundaries. A lot of it's, especially with our toddlers, a lot of it's based around safety um, and a lot of it is about, yeah, teaching things like not you can't just break things and get a new one. So I think that, no is definitely necessary yep. but we can soften that with offering something else for them to do so if for example my son's found something to whack and he's and he's decided he's going to just whack the window because that's a behavior that my son loves doing at the moment I'm going to shift that he can't no he can't whack the window but hey how about you can whack whack the side of the the pole here or something like that so I'm giving him an alternative it's not just a blanket no because also kids then they find it difficult to shift from behavior so especially if my son's not completely regulated and he's not in a very calm state he might be a little bit excited which is often when we see some behaviors at home other parents might see it when they're more frustrated or whatever uh, is your child's temperament. For, for us at home, it's when my child's very excited, he might whack something or do something inappropriate. And yes, blatantly when he's looking at me or something like that. I need to then, I, if I say no, don't do it, his, his body is already doing it. His brain isn't actually switched on. He Got can't it. replace that behavior. He doesn't know how to. His brain hasn't fully developed. So I need to then help him solve that problem and Sometimes I might need to help him physically by moving him to the area and say, you can whack over here. And then if he's silly with that again, I might take the thing off him. But yes, I, I do feel like no is necessary, but we need to understand that our kids then can't just naturally replace that. And, and cons they, they still have difficulty stopping themselves. They need our help. And whether that be uh, yeah physically or telling them what they can do. Okay, see, my thought behind that, which is so good that you're clarifying, is if I teach him how to hit the pole, then he'll think, or tapping, will be, he then, I'm going to sound, sound stupid, is he then smart enough to know not to hit the window, but to only hit the pole? Or does he just think that you can then hit everything? That's where I go in my head. I'm like, do I just change the whole activity? Well, he's going to want to hit. He's going to want to whack. It's natural. Okay. 
So, um, and of course, that's when supervision comes in. And that's when, yeah, we might need a bit of physical proximity. Yeah. So I think that you're, he wants to whack. So let him, it's a need, I would say. And it's also to do with play schemas that children work through, as I mentioned before. So they have these innate needs to explore this. You know, it's like science. They're little scientists. They're exploring all these different things and they need boundaries within that because whacking's okay if you're going to whack something appropriate, but yeah. And no, it doesn't mean that they're going to go and whack the window all the time. They might do that when they need some um, sort of security. And sometimes kids want to lean into a boundary and that's when they push our buttons and test, are we really there? Are we really going to stop them from doing this? And yes, it might be that connection time. My mum's going to come over here if I whack the window. Great. I'm going to whack the window. <laughs> yeah, got it. Okay, that's cool. Because I've been pulling out things like Tupperware containers and like stick-like type of objects and letting him like play drums on containers or put lids and things inside other things and he bangs it around and taps it, does all that type of stuff. So, And, and he definitely loves the sound of things as well, not just like the... It's the senses. The t- it's yeah. all that sensory stuff. Kids are so sensory. They love that yes there's all the Pinterest sensory play but really they're going to explore that anyway they're going to meet those needs of really looking for things that are going to really light up that those senses and they're going to learn they learn they learn so much from them um so we we don't want to stop that we just want to do it we, we just want to help them do it in a more appropriate way our kids are going to seek out these things hitting throwing it's all it's all things that they're going to naturally seek out and some kids yeah. more than others. We've all got our things that we, we like to do and enjoy. We're all different. Our diff- temperaments are different. And unfortunately, the hitting and the throwing can just be really extra annoying. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, our child, child's temperament and what they um, want to do or feel the yeah, need well, to do. And I definitely notice that when my son is in um, nature, so when we literally just open the front door or he's somewhere where it's a park or a safe space, he goes into his own world. He is so independent. He literally just goes off and he'll just squat on the ground and he'll just pick up rocks and sticks and collect things and he'll tap around and play. Like he's literally a different child as soon as, and like (laughs) we've been moving around a lot because we're on the road and everywhere we go in the morning, he'll wake up and stare out the glass window and just look outside at the backyard or look outside and he'll like start tapping because he's like, I want to go out there. And he is literally a full on country nature kid because my husband grew up on a farm. I grew up in the city. I'm not kind of somewhat nature but this kid is like next level nature. And I've already said to James yesterday, I'm like, honestly, when he just goes for a walk at the beach or goes for a walk on the grass, even for like 20 minutes before the, like the whole bedtime routine, he's like a different child. Like it's amazing what nature can do for kids, especially these kids. So you're right. We just got to start like focusing on all the positive activities that we can shift into when we see that behavior. I'm sorry I was just going to say he's also probably not getting told no at all he's he's able to explore freely because so free there's nothing you can break (laughs) if he throws something it's okay um (laughs) so yeah that could also be part of it as well and of course just fresh air is great for everyone isn't it yeah and look my husband hates boundaries He hates boundaries and I don't love them either. So my mum also jokes, she's like, you know what? Your husband is so determined and loves 
that's why we're on a freaking road trip because my husband just loves to be free and just go over and do what he wants every single day and crafts each day as it happens spontaneously around like I need a bit of structure Hunter is definitely like that my son he's like I just want to be free let me go in the garden for three hours and find anything I want and I'll come back when I'm ready and then I'll go to bed <laughs> yeah it sounds it's like so my son cute. too just wants to move and it's all it's actually really sweet it's definitely making me like love being outside I just sit down watching play with rocks all day you, you never th- think before you become a parent that you get so much joy from watching a little human play with rocks and sticks it's the most beautiful thing <laughs> okay let's switch gears a little bit I felt like I made that too much about you coaching me on my parenting issues but Right now, we've got a lot going on in our country, in Australia, um, actually in the world, but particularly things are quite heightened here in Australia for whatever reason. It's our just our time. The world's been dealing with things for the last year and we've kind of hit our point. And a lot of parents are working from home. Kids in some states are also doing homeschooling. And luckily, we've been able to have our children in daycare if that's what some parents have chosen but then there is a lot of kids that are homeschooled at the moment or mums don't do daycare and there's a lot of heightened emotions and I don't know if you've been having like any particular coaching calls with parents that are struggling especially now because of the situation but I just love if you could just encourage and empower and just any any top tips really for parents that are going through basically the pandemic and they're seeing behavioural shifts in their children, toddlerhood. And so what are you feeling about all of that at the moment? Well, it's intense and, and kids feel so much from us. So if we're feeling stressed, which often we are, then our kids are going to feel it too. They can really, they really feed off of us. So if we're, and you might notice this as well, if you're having a particularly bad day, you might be I've woken up on the wrong side of the bed and you might be feeling in a bit of a mood yourself. Kids can feel it and they will often make your day even worse. It's like they they can just, they sense it. Yet if we've woken up in a really calm mood, their behaviours aren't as, I guess, in our face because they really do feed off our energy. And if we can remain as calm and make sure self-care is in our top priority, which is very hard. But if we can even just get a little bit of an alone time, then that might just be, might just fill up our cup, which is going to help us really calmly respond to our children's behaviors. Because I think if we come from a place of stress, that's when the power battles come from. Because we're stressed, we might project that onto our kids when they're doing something that a normal toddler would, or maybe normally would be a little bit calmer about they're going to flare up and they're going to react to that pretty much on par with us. So it's going to become a bit of a power battle. So we need to make sure that we're bringing our energy back down and looking after ourselves. And that is tough in this moment, but I really think parenting is our most important job. And if it means stepping stepping away from your computer because you're trying to work from home for five minutes, then it probably needs to happen because, you know, I think that it's definitely more important. But in a way of, and I guess, yeah, to answer your question, responding from a place of calm and trying really hard to breathe through any frustrations with our kids' behaviour would probably be the first step. It does start with us. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that this, I mean, last month I really started focusing on journaling and it was just whenever in the day that I could really find a spot, which is so real for most parents. And then this last 
what, I don't know, 10 days or nine days of this month, I've been getting up earlier before my son gets up. And even if I do hear him awake, I'm just like, you can just roll around and play in your bed a little bit longer. And just really getting up and like doing some few key little morning routines for me. And then I notice when I walk down to open up his door, I'm full of like joy and excitement. I greet him really excited. I'm like, you're awake. It's a new day. We're so excited to see you. And I can see his whole body language shift. He even eats breakfast differently. So he's actually sitting in his seat eating his breakfast. He's definitely a lot more calm, a lot less agitated. So yeah, I can have been seeing how our mornings have shifted so much from like me taking responsibility for my energy and filling up my cup. Cause then I feel like no matter how the day goes, even if everything falls apart, I kind of got those few key basic needs in for me. Even if it's just like, I've just had my supplements and a, a superfood drink, even if that's all I can do some days. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I totally agree with what you're saying. It's amazing. And I think so many mums at the moment, cups are probably not full. and Dad's cups are not full. And they're probably literally trying to pour from an empty cup every day. And that is so draining. And that's when you're impatient, isn't it? Yeah. And I'd just like to add to that after you said how you wake your son up, because that is just beautiful. And little rituals like how we wake our children up, maybe even a little ritual or a song as we get them dressed for the day, even just a bedtime routine and have and the nursery rhymes that we might always use with our kids. These little rituals really light our kids up and we feel it too. It's like, you know, that when you're giving, it makes us feel good when we give. And if we can give that and see it light up our kids' lives, that can actually really help us during the day as well. Also little go-to games when it does get super stressy and we can see our kids are just ramped up, that top brain isn't into gear, they can't solve any problems, everything's hard. might be that they're building a block tower and that's hard and then they're having little meltdown after little meltdown. Having little go-to games that's going to build your connection is something that might really help you here. So I'm going to share one and you can create your own little spin on it, but something that we love at home is I'm stuck and I stick my hand to my son and I can't get it off. So there's a button on his body somewhere that's going to release and that often just recalibrates us both and connects us both it's that connection time because we're touching it's a game that I'm playing with my son so it's filling up his cup and it's just yeah doing all these things he's the most important thing in that moment because it is all about finding the button it we might do that for two minutes and I do that game twice he might then might sometimes need it to go on for a little bit longer but if we spend 10 minutes doing that or another game which involves touch they're the whole center of the world and it's fully in tune for both of us that can really support us to get through the rest of the day for both. I love that. My son would absolutely love that. He would think that is the greatest thing ever. Do you have any other top tips? There's going to be parents that are literally got a tight morning routine. They're trying to get out the door. They still are going to work at the moment. And then there's the parents that are trying to have a morning routine, maybe going to daycare, coming back or setting the kids up at the table for school and then they're going into work mode. What's some top tips or ways that we can just lift the joy and the fun with our kids um, every day, especially in that toddlerhood? Yeah, so weave it into your day. If you're struggling getting your uh, child dressed for the day, play with them. 
And it might be that getting dressed is a bit of a trigger for them, which is can be can be for parents because it signals to the child that you're about to separate. So that can actually be what's going on when your child is running away from you when you've got their top and their shorts and then you're getting frustrated because you need to go to work or you need to get them to daycare. So if that's a case at your house, weave getting dressed into play and it might not be a game around getting dressed, which might work well for you. But it might be that you're sitting down reading them. You're playing with the blocks in the morning. And as you're playing with the blocks, you're just putting on their clothes. Yeah, so weaving play into your day, into your regular routine can really support our kids to feel connected. They'll end up separating easier, easily from us if need be, if you are separating from them. If, of course, you're in lockdown, having your little rituals and routine can really support your child as well to predict what's happened next. Yes, they love to have that little bit of control, but structure is also quite important. Sure. And play can really help transition from one point to the next. So maybe right before, if if you're struggling to get your toddler to sit down and eat lunch, having a little, making it playful. So weaving the play into eating lunch. You know, it might be that you've got their, something I shared on my Instagram the other day, was maybe you've got their their fork you've got their sorry they're holding their fork and your hand is over that and you're mimicking you're trying to do it so they can't actually touch their plate so you're helping them or not helping them basically but you're you know doing it away from the bowl and they're trying to get in the bowl to get your food you're pulling it away and touching the table and tapping here and there and moving the fork away so they can't get it to the bowl. That's going to make them laugh so much. And then you're probably going to find that as soon as you let go, they're going to eat their food happily because you've just played with them around their food. You've just been silly. So little introducing a little bit of silliness into your normal regular routine rather than being, you've got to eat your food now. You've got to sit here now. Children just love playing connection. I think if you're having trouble in any area, in your day, think about how you might be able to involve play a little bit. Yeah, definitely making everything more silly and my son would absolutely love that. He loves all those type of like, yeah, trying to like do things and I'm getting in his way. Yeah, he loves that so much. How do you learn? Well, thank you so much. I feel like that's been so really empowering for parents right now and I feel like if anyone is particularly in a situation where they're just not feeling confident or they're not feeling like things are changing or their child's behavior is continuing to, you know, develop in a way that isn't positive. I don't know if I'm using the right words, but basically people want to seek out and get some more help or if they've got a child really struggling because of the lockdown in Sydney or Victoria or whatever, they can reach out to you on your Instagram and you can guide them through that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I love getting DMs and I love having a chat on there. I put up some question stickers and stuff so I can help other people as well. That's where I share a lot of my my stuff. I love your interview. I've liked it for a long time. I I think it's super empowering and powerful and I literally didn't even know there was such thing as a parenting coach. I love how there's all these new things we can learn and that we have access to so many people that have literally dedicated their career or their life to supporting you in that particular need. So thank you so much, Alex. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Bell and Beyond. Mama, I know you're so busy and your time is precious. So I hope today's episode has left you feeling more empowered around your choices and that your voice matters. If you have loved this week's episode, make sure you subscribe and get all the weekly updates. 
It would also be so awesome if you could leave a five-star review for this independently run podcast produced by this mama herself. And if you've had all the feels today and a mum's popped into your mind, jump over, send her a DM or share it on your stories. That would be the absolute best. If you have any questions at all, connect with me over on my Instagram at bellyandbeyond underscore and let's write or rewrite your story of motherhood together. 